So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the Turn 3 Karma of F1 Podcasts. Anyone else whoop when uh, Marzipan spun it into the barriers? Although that barrier is now being painted with the Russian flag and his dad owns it. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the Valtteri Bottas pit stop of F1 Podcasts. Just a bit long. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that's been rubbing against barriers without their consent since 2015. It's another marzipan joke. There's going to be a lot of those. I'm Chica Rez and I will overtake all of you off the track. Just you wait. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about the Bahrain Grand Prix, where everything was different, but ultimately everything was the same. Hamilton won, Verstappen was second, and Bottas was third. But that wasn't the whole story, because we also got to see F1's biggest villain spanner it into the wall on the first lap. Yeah! Let's talk about all of that, Sebastian Vettel's familiar failings and Terry Saunders talks white lines in the state of F1. That is all to come. Joining me is a freelance motoring journalist who apologises. It is Phil Tromans. I need to apologise for two things. Firstly, I'm aware that in the last episode, my microphone was playing silly buggers and there was some weird static on it. You'll be pleased to know that producer Matt and I spent a good hour trying to diagnose the problem on Friday and have completely failed. So it may well come back and I'm sorry. Also, my daughter has refused to go to sleep this evening, so you may hear crying in the background. And that is my daughter and not Chica trying to get through the 50th take without me and Terry interrupting her. So you're saying that I could be mistaken for a six-month-year-old? Genuinely, before we started recording, you were yelping in anguish at trying to sort out something on your computer, and I did think it was my daughter <laughs> screaming. Just trying to remember my password. And alongside him is a man who has a chair. It's Terry Saunders. Did you nick it again? Because we've done this before. Hang on, is this another doctor's chair you found in the street? No, this is a chair I've paid for with my own money. Wow. As you may remember from last week's thrilling episode, I'm in Berlin now. Haven't got a flat. You know, well, I'm in a sublet, but that ends soon and I haven't got a place to live, which is, you know, mildly concerning. But last week I thought I had a place to live. So I bought an armchair off of someone on Facebook and then got the armchair home in a taxi with a friend, which was... It was a big armchair. It's a lovely yellow wingback chair. I love it. 
but it was hard work getting it home. And it turns out I didn't get the flat, so now I just have a fucking armchair <laughs> to move around Berlin. <laughs> so armchair you have at some point in the summer, and you see a bearded man in a yellow armchair with a small bowl of a loose change next to him. Please give generously. <laughs> <laughs> you say it's quite big. Is it big enough that you could conceivably sort of camp underneath it? I don't think I could quite camp underneath it, but I reckon it could maybe be used as a kind of boat. Good. Chica, <laughs> have you got a chair or a house? No, but I did a haircut this week. This was you my did a haircut. third attempt at cutting Tom, the stallion's hair, this lockdown. Oh. Yeah, uh, and I've actually got quite good at haircuts, so uh, Phil, if you need a hand, do let what me do you know. Mean? Nothing. No. Oh wow. Gosh. Um, that Phil's just a gone haircut. from a geek to a hot librarian. No, that's right. <laughs> For the first time this season, let's head to listeners' corner and don't worry about the track limits. But also, don't overtake off the track. Clear. Good. We'll start with the now familiar sight of a Haas spinning off into the barrier on the first lap at Bahrain. But this time we weren't concerned about the fiery barbecued hands of the Roman Grosjean. Rather, we were laughing with glee at the continued cack-handedness of Nikita Marzipan. The Russian scumbag had been spinning off all weekend and fortunately did it again on the opening lap to secure his position as the shittest driver on the grid. Henry Haler asks, is Maz Spin actually Grosjean in a bad Draco Malfoy costume? James Kerr says Mazepin did exactly what the internet had been asking Haas to do by putting himself out. Tristan Clayton points out, to be fair to Mazepin, he didn't cut the car in half, set fire to it and melt himself in the process. And Ben Turnbull said, massive spin is the most exciting thing to happen in F1 since Taki Inui. I, for one, am quite excited to see how this unfolds. Oh, you've got to, I mean, you know, we've we've been nominating Whipping Boys on the podcast for, for quite a few seasons now. Um, who was it? It was Jolien Palmer for a while. Was Kvyat one year? I can't remember. Just the person that we like to hate. Kvyat, but Palmer. Just makes it so easy. And he, in fairness, has perfect, absolutely ex- excelled in the role. Absolutely excelled. Mm. This is tremendously good work by him. You know, for all his faults, he is very good at being shit. Uh, lots of spins in practice, mm. pissed off the entire grid by overtaking them into qualifying and then, then broke down and caused the yellow flag and ruined all their laps and then binned it on that one. Brilliant. Meanwhile, at Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel was keen to make a good impression after his final year at Ferrari. Wes Paul Stop said, So Vettel is in a new team but still crashing into other people and then blaming them for the crash. Never change, baby. Oh, crikey, Charlie. It wasn't, uh, wasn't a great start, was it? Sebastian Vettel is doing exactly what I thought he'd do last year, which is last year I expected him to do well in his last year at Ferrari, and he was terrible. And this year I expected him to do well to prove everyone wrong at Aston Martin, and instead he's being terrible. I think we've got to be drawn to the obvious conclusion that Sebastian Vettel is a terrible driver. I am beginning to suspect that maybe we just imagined those four world championships, or is it just a myth, like an urban legend? Because on the basis of the last couple of years, he's not a great driver. I think those four world championships were Max Verstappen. <laughs> and now for some technical analysis. Stephen Gurr says, I love how everyone now gets to be an armchair expert on rake, despite never having mentioned it before. I mean, Stephen Gurr clearly is an armchair expert. I mean, we're rake. not armchair experts. We've been, we've t- been talking about rake since, oh, I can't even remember how long. Rake this, rake that. 
up the rakes, <laughs> down rake. We'd love a rake, don't we? We'll have a pint yeah. of rake. Terry, Terry, I'm sure Terry can explain why everyone suddenly is talking about rake because, I mean, any of us could do it, but Terry might as well. For a start, I am an armchair expert because I bought a fucking armchair this week, but I haven't yet bought a rake. <laughs> but what I will say is that we have talked about rake for ages because since Red Bull, like four or five years ago, put their car up at the back, I've always said it looks stupid. And if there's one thing this year, it looks fucking ridiculous seeing the car like six foot up at the back, like it's left on its jacks or something. I think they should make low rake the rule because it looks better and high rake looks... Sh- if you're going to have high rake... You have to have high at the front as well. They should have the cars that are like t- a foot off the ground. That's the only thing allowed. Like platforms. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the car manufacturers would quite like yeah. that because it would look more like an SUV. And SUVs are very popular these days. So if they could have like high-powered SUVs rocketing around the track, uh, that would be great. But but this is this is actually a thing, isn't it? Like because the rules have changed this year on the floors. It seems to have affected cars that have a low rake, i.e. that don't have a massively high back end compared to the front, like the Mercedes. Whereas for the other teams that do, like Red Bull, it's been really good for them. Now, Ferrari went entirely shit, and Ben Turnbull has questions. He says, why are Ferrari fast? Please discuss, have they been allowed to cheat again or possibly just cheat a little bit? I think we touched on this in the last episode. The rumour is, unconfirmed that their punishment, or rather their secret deal with the FIA last last year or whenever it was, when it was alleged that maybe they'd been cheating but nobody knew because they'd reached a secret behind the scenes deal with the FIA, the scuttlebutt was that their punishment was that they weren't allowed to use as much fuel as everybody else. And that was the reason that their engine was suddenly a lot slower. And that this season, that punishment is over and they're now allowed to use the right amount of fuel again. So they're quicker than they were. Although they weren't that fast, were they? I mean, they weren't troubling the podium at all, were they? I mean, Leclerc was all right. Science was, what, seventh, eighth, mm. something like that. Not brilliant, but, you know, less terrible than before. Well, they're allowed to use fuel, but they have well, to like use a-, a special type of biofuel that is, um, it basically means that Bernie Eccleston's had a piss in it. <laughs> yeah, it's just literally just urine. How else will they learn? Yes, it's the second part of their punishment. They have to use fuel fuel as you like, but it's all piss. They have to make fuel made out of Enzo Ferrari's body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like instead of fossil, I mean, it's a fossil fuel of a different type, I suppose. Yeah, they've embalmed his body, and now they're just gonna. They're just like, all right, okay. Next, the next race is Italy. It's important to us. Shove a hand in. It's like the bit in Back to the Future 2 where he just starts chucking stuff in the uh, Mr. the top of the uh, DeLorean. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> just got, got Mr. Winnow on top where of the Where we're going, we don't need track limits. In other news, who likes teams that cheat? Well, bad news because the FIA is cracking down on sneakiness in a move that is sure to upset some teams, whether or not they're from Maranello. The organisation that runs F1 rules says it's introducing deeper technical checks at races this season and will randomly choose and take apart one car after each GP. That is on top of all the existing checks. What, what are they, they going to find? <laughs> I'm ho- what I really hope is that it's like part of Ted's notebook on Sky Sports after the, uh, after the race is that Ted just goes and watches them literally dissect an F1 car because I'd be fascinated to see it. But it's basically to stop people doing... 
you know, sne- let's, for example, uh, sneaky engine things where they get past the fuel flow rules and uh, suddenly get a load of extra horsepower. For example, I mean, hypothetically, uh, that apparently is now going to be more difficult. No, not picking out any particular red team. But I've now, I've, I've not been, in, I've been keeping this secret, but it's time to announce it. But um, I've got a job in Formula One, and my job is after they've taken the car apart, I get to put it back together. <laughs> Christian Horner says that the track limits rules should not be shades of grey, meaning he wants a firm line taken on those who dip their rubber over the limit and will be severely punished and then have a film made about it. Oh, Christian. I say, this, this is a hell of a spin-off from Drive to Survive, isn't it? My word. <laughs> I mean, it's Netflix, I suppose, so they're not subject to normal uh, normal watershed limits. They can probably do what the hell they like. But uh, the track limits were a little bit odd this weekend because lots of people were like, oh, I can't believe uh, it's just everyone's on Hamilton's side because he was off the track all the time and then Verstappen got told He's not to go a off the track. Sir. And, uh, Sorry, Sir Track. Once you read into it, it's kind of like it's slightly less odd, but it's still a bit odd. And Christian Horner kicked up a fuss about it, obviously in a sexy way. Well, obviously, because because for anyone who didn't watch the race, and I know there are actually a few listeners who don't watch the races. um, I don't. Verstappen overtook Hamilton, (laughs) but he was off the track and was told to give the place back. Uh, But Hamilton had been going off the track pretty much routinely since the start of the race uh, because, in his defence, they'd been told beforehand that the marshal, uh, the steward wouldn't be monitoring yep. track limits. They were like, oh, fine, we'll do whatever the hell we like. And it turned out that, actually, they can. And it was just a bit wishy-washy because the official rule was you can't go off track to gain a lasting advantage, to which Red Bull thought, right, that means well, you can't go off the track then. And Mercedes were like, well, as long as you're not overtaking anyone, you can go off the track as much as you like. Um... The obvious thing to do would have been to shut that down after two laps when Hamilton started doing it at the start of the race. But in fact, they didn't do that until like 20 laps before the end, uh, which is when you heard Hamilton go, but I've been doing this since the start. Why are you really telling me now? It feels like the FIA, the way they should fix this rule is halfway through the race, just send out a safety car and then have a man just painting different lines and going, right, now that's the track limits. That would be brilliant. Like those, um, like the sort of the, uh, the, the motorway service vehicles that paint the lines on the... Uh, or, or just to drop the cones in a big automated line. Or like Art Attack, you know? <gasps> we'll just send Neil Buchanan out in an Aston Martin. And then the camera goes <laughs> just up. just has to lie like, on the floor. <gasps> Don't hit Neil Buchanan. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, an Art Attack. This is an Art Attack. This is... George Russell has become the leader of the GPDA with his PowerPoints and he's had a lot, a lot of thinking time driving in his Williams. The question on everyone's lips is just how safe can one man make it? The GBTA being the Grand Prix Drivers Association, which is basically like the union that... I don't know what... Do they do much? They basically go, oh, we're not happy about this. Um, Historically, Bernie would go, I don't care. I don't know if they have a bit more clout now. They do know George Russell's in charge. I reckon he's going to have them all on strike. He seems the sort. Really? They'll all be be standing around braziers burning their hands. Exactly. Burning their hands. They'll be having cake sales now. It'll be lovely with Russell in charge. 
Would he be welcome in he's the WI? A he's a you know sponsored picnic kind of guy. I mean, so many T-shirt <laughs> possibilities if we can just get our acts together. <laughs> Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for F One Sake or find us on Facebook where we're for F One Sake or email us at wrong at ff one scom Alternatively, if you think we're right, well, you owe us a beer. So, thank you to those of you that have done so since the last episode. They are James Caswell, who says, "Welcome back, lovely people." Fuck off. <laughs> Thank you, James. Cast very well, if you ask me. James Kerr, he says, you are definitely one of my top six favourite F1-related beer-fueled podcasts. Enjoy the pints and keep up the excellent analysis. Excellent, in quotes, top six yeah. favourite podcasts. There's only fucking five Formula One podcasts. Karen Singh, who says, thanks for making me chuckle occasionally. This pint goes to the slightly thick one. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. I think we'll all take that, apart from Terry. Fuck off. <laughs> Katazini Agunia, who says, I'm buying you all a pint because Spanners banned me on Twitter for mentioning one of his panellists looks like Gru. Enjoy. <laughs> What's Gru? Uh, who's a Spanners? We know who Spanners is. Hi, Spanners, if you're listening, please don't ban us on Twitter. Uh, but thank you, Katazina, for buying us a pint. Actually, no, Spanners, ban more people on Twitter. Are we just inviting in the Mazipan of the... Twitter world. Oh, I don't know. No, I don't I feel like we can, can call her Mazipan when she's bought as a pint. Oh, 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 oh I see. Months you've known about Mazipan, <laughs> but now suddenly you'll be like, oh, his dad bought me a pint. It's all right, actually. He's a I mean, if, Mazip- if Mazipan bought me a... Scab. If Mazipan... I'm not asking for much from him, but if, you know, I'm just saying, if you want us to stop being mean to you, buy us an island. George Russell <laughs> would not be happy with you in the GPDA with that kind of attitude. <laughs> Unless you hold a cake set. He'd, he'd have a very, very stern PowerPoint presentation. Plus, John Neeson, Paul Boothroyd, Scab. Alan Digby, and Keith Scab. Falconer for their beers to shush. Cheers, lads. Chads. Join them all by going to ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. Oh, shit. Here comes the teams. And nobody knows what order they're going to come in. Oh, wait. It's the same order as always because... F1. Mercedes. Now, this is for all you sir doubters out there. Despite not living in the same country, when Lewis Hamilton stood on that podium to God save the Queen after that drive, I felt a sense of national pride. Then I remembered that I haven't had a professional haircut for over a year and it went away. Bottas finished third. Now, let's just think back to the moment that it became clear that Verstappen wasn't going to be able to overtake Hamilton. Talk to me. How did that make you feel? Mildly confused, um, and then kind of a little bit scornful of Verstappen, but we'll get onto that when we talk about Red Bull, um, because I felt sure he was going to uh, sweep Sir Lewis up, just like so many oh, angry Britons want to, because oh, he lives in a different country. How dare he? It was an odd one, wasn't it, really? I, I thought silly money would have gone on Mercedes to win this race. Especially at the start, where Hamilton, uh, where Verstappen basically just pootled off up the road, and even though Hamilton sort of kept him vaguely within distance, I was like, "This is never going to work." But um, fair play to him; he drove very well with a car that isn't as good as the Red Bull. And uh, I say we keep an eye on him. I think he could uh, could win a few world championships with driving like that. We always knew that Lewis Hamilton, when it came to it, would be able to keep that rapscallion Max Verstappen behind him. And he did exactly that, just by being just good enough. By being damn British, is how he did it. 
Or like <laughs> Douglas, he's just throwing Douglas Bader's legs out the cockpit behind him to yes. distract him. Yes. And bust up Merrifield's beard. Yeah. Guy Gibson's inappropriately named dog. Valtteri <laughs> Bottas. Fuck off. <laughs> he was also there. Oh, I mean, he didn't have the alone. decent... I mean, at least he's abandoned this sort of Bottas 4.0 or whatever he's on now of like, yeah, I'm genuinely a contender for the championship. He's like, no, I'll just, I'll just come third. And, and in yeah. fairness to him, came third, even though he had a terrible pit stop. He came um, so third. Yeah. yeah. If there well, was he a came so third, he got fastest lap. If there was a championship for coming third, he would come third in that championship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know he's kept I mean, up the facial hair, though. Has he? I didn't even see him, I don't think. I don't think I've <laughs> seen his face since I saw his ass on Netflix. Actually, talking of faces, what I liked about Lewis Hamilton's helmet is that it, <laughs> it doesn't look like it when you look at the helmet design, but when it's kind of cut off through the halo, it looks like he's got two big eyebrows that are kind of furrowed. <laughs> so when Mr. Hamilton was chasing him, it looked like he was really worried. And I think they should do this and have facial expressions like animated onto the helmet. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like sort of, yeah, like LCD panels. I mean, they probably do better than LCD these what, days, but that would be what would awesome. Your, um, what would your helmet eyebrows say? What well, depends on what was happening. <laughs> I think we you know, know what they shit. <laughs> I think mine would say quietly confident. I think I'd have one raised. <laughs> like sort of a Roger Moore. Yeah. Mmm, as you drive around. Uh, no, I think that's a great idea. Uh, fair play to Mercedes. They they did not have the fastest car, because we weren't sure coming into this weekend if they would have the fastest car. Because uh, we thought, are they sandbagging? Are they? Turns out, no, they weren't. Um, but they managed to do it on strategy. And then Hamilton managed to do it on not doing, as far as I can tell, a single thing wrong. Like, but he yeah. did, he went wide, he locked up at one point. I no, it was actually, that's a very yeah, good point. Yeah, he did right. one single thing wrong. Um, yeah, point, but it was when he really didn't when he really didn't need to do something wrong. Yeah, because at that point, I thought, oh, this is it. It's going to be all the Verstappen lock going, oh, see, Lewis buckled at the wrong moment. But no. Yeah, buckled his way to victory. Swashbuckled. Anyway. Ready? Yes. Red Bull! Verstappen drove well and his car is impressive. His laps were fast, his radio was sweary and he's still only 23. When he learns the rules, will he be unbeatable? He did He did do very well apart from the actual crucial moment where he needed to absolutely nail it and he did not nail it. He chose a silly place to overtake and in doing so, knackered his tyres. That was an easy pass. Maybe not where he did it, but he was gaining like a half a second a lap. He had like three or four laps left. He had DRS twice in the lap. Anybody could have overtaken Lewis. I'm going to say this with complete impunity. Anybody could have overtaken Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Anybody. In that car. Yeah. yeah. Um, Give me a well, moment I could have done it. With You're that advantage, right. anyone should uh, have done it. It was, of all the times he could have over. I mean, he was catching him hand over fist and had his pick of pretty straightforward overtaking as you say like the two drs zones going down the the main straight and then the the straight after that easy and he had two or three laps to do it why he tried to barrel it around the outside i'm not really sure because not only was it illegal he then had that little that little slide afterwards that ruined his rear tires and then he couldn't do it again that was the end of that i mean he i think if he'd have got past him he would have finished five seconds up the road probably Mm. so you have to say that Verstappen dropped the ball and Red Bull dropped the ball a bit as well, which we may talk about when we mention Sergio Perez. Well, but, speaking of which, 
Let's talk about Sergio Perez. He may have started in the pit lane, but he secured the love of his new family by finishing in fifth. Would you have ever expected him to be that good? Well, he did well. He looked after his tyres, is what he probably did. I don't know. I don't really follow him. But, um, but well, he was, let, he was let down. Well, he let himself down in qualifying because yeah. he went out pretty early. But then he was let down by the team when the car basically turned itself off on the warm-up, warm-up lap. Yeah. But then fair play to him to come through from the back to finish fifth in a car that Albon and um, Gasly have found as completely undrivable isn't too bad but he is nowhere near Verstappen's pace based on this weekend is he he's he's some way off again and you can't help thinking that Albon and Gasly are going fucking told you yeah but I also think that he's if he started at a kind of normal place he'd have been right there third or fourth with Bottas so I think he's fine this is no surprise he's always going to be number two and he's never going to be up you know up close with Verstappen is he but after after Terry's um, observation last week, I am genuinely intrigued to see how he does against Bottas. That's the that is the battle I do want to see, and we were completely robbed of it this weekend. So, roll on Imola in in six months or whenever it is. It's quite a long gap till the next race. Three whole weeks, Imola. That's ridiculous. Remember, we were complaining when they're every week. Yep, I love three week race gaps. All right, fine, good. <laughs> McLaren. Hello, Norris. This little champ whizzed past his experienced ex-Red Bull Renault teammate with two fingers up on lap one and drove a great race, finishing in fourth. Do you reckon Ricardo's a bit bitter? Give it time. Um, But also, I am not 100% convinced that this will continue. Do you not think? I think that Ricardo is better than Norris. I just think he's not used to the car yet. And fair play to Norris. Norris is very good, don't get me wrong. And he did very well this weekend. But he's had, what, a year, two years? Some years. Some time in the car. And this was yeah, Ricardo's first time in it. How much better can a McLaren do than fourth? Oh, not much. No, fair, I mean, fair play to Norris. He did He did very well. Um, but I think Ricardo is better. And once Ricardo's up to speed, I think he will regularly beat him. I disagree. Ooh. I think Ricardo is a has-been and... He squandered his best years at Renault, and now Norris, who's on the up, is going to make him look daft. I mean, I do think that in retrospect, him leaving Red Bull was probably a bad idea. But having said that, he was never going to beat Verstappen, was he? Well, yeah, but it's a bad idea for everyone. It's a bad idea for Red Bull, because they've had two years with bad ends in the car. (laughs) It's a bad idea for (laughs) Renault, because... (laughs) <laughs> him going there is just really upset Cyril to beat him over two years <laughs> it's a bad idea for McLaren good don't know why but I, bad idea for Ricardo because he's fucked his career made a lot of money though so fuck him that's true do you reckon do we hear if the beatable got that tattoo in the end because did he get the tattoo before or after uh, Ricardo said right I'm off now bye I think that's why they fired him I reckon he got a tattoo like on his hand and Renault say we just don't allow tattoos that can be seen at work <laughs> in the workplace <laughs> Ferrari. Uh, Things were looking promising for Ferrari and Leclerc caught a glimpse of third at one point, but that was as close to the podium as Ferrari were going to get in this race. Have your opinions changed on the green bits on the car? No. No, still looks shit. Oh, I like them. Why? No. And also, there's like a purple light. I don't know what that's about. Have you seen that? There's like a purple light thing on the headrest. I don't know if it's to do with like the electrics or something. But it means in a small piece of the car, they've got red, purple, and green, which are very clashing colours. 
bad Ferrari. No, I mean, Leclerc did well. I mean, we know he's good. Although, according to Terry, based on Drive to Survive, he's, he's not a nice man. But I haven't seen it yet, so I don't, I don't know. But um, I thought he drove very well in a car that didn't deserve to be third at one point and probably got as much out of it as he probably could. Where did he come in the end? Sixth. That's not bad. And Sainz was only two places behind, hmm. which isn't bad, because again, I think Leclerc is probably going to wipe the floor with Sainz this season. And this kind of went as I expected it to. And maybe they finished slightly higher up than I expected them to. Alpha Tauri! Tsunoda, officially the youngest and smallest person to drive a car, finished in the points, but it's not a but it's not just a great car because his teammate, who is in his third year of F1, finished in 17th. What is with Sonoda? What is he doing? He's being fun. Give him that. He's, he goes from really quite good to a little bit all over the place to really quite good again. Because uh, he had a really good Q1 when he was like, wasn't he second or third or something like that? And then he balls it up in Q2 and went out. And then at the start of the race, he was crap. But then he got really good in the race and started doing some really good... In fact, he reminds me quite a lot of another, the last Japanese driver we had, which is Kumi Kobayashi, who was similarly blowing hot and cold. Um, so, yeah. Bit of a weird one with AlphaTauri this weekend, because Gasly had a bit of a shit... Well, Gasly had an amazing qualifying and then completely cocked it up at the start of the race. And I sort of don't really know if AlphaTauri are actually good or not. Yuki Tsunoda is my new second favouritest driver ever after <laughs> Nigel Mansell. I fucking wow. love him. <laughs> Why so? He's great. He's cocky. At one point in the weekend, he was asked what his planned finishing position was, and he went first. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so he swears tiny. on the radio as well. Yeah, and he's so small. I think he that AlphaTauri should do some fun uh, little videos with him where, like, Maybe someone gives him a squirt of water to drink, and then there's just like a bucket goes over him. Um, <laughs> I should remake Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, I think he's great, and I love him, and I think he should be the best driver ever, ever, ever. Well, that's so great. He, should, he will be. He's then. your driver of the season. He's my driver of the fucking <laughs> millennium. He's the anti Mazepin. <laughs> oh, yeah, he can't even reach the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he stands on a chair, he'd be he'd be terrible. <laughs> they wouldn't stand a chance. Oh. Aston Martin. It turns out that Vettel is spending so much time looking in the mirror, his emerald green overalls and new minimal hairstyle. He has forgotten the rules. Yellow flag means slow down and don't crash into someone overtaking you. Stroll didn't do much and finished around where he started. Are Aston Martin going to get better? Better if they don't want Lauren Stroll actually killing them and burying them in a desert somewhere. I think that Lauren Stroll is a genius. (laughs) He has managed to somehow pull off the contract coup of the century by employing a driver who on paper should be much better than his son, but actually is far worse to make his son look good. It's fucking genius. You reckon? But then, if we if if we if we then extrapolate your views on the fact that Stroll doesn't want to do this, where does that leave Lance Stroll? 
that he's being forced into it by his domineering father. He's going to be the reluctant world champion, which sounds like a kind of 1960s Herbie Rides Again Disney film. Do you reckon he's eventually going to get nine world championships and just be one of the saddest men that ever lived? Yeah. Oh, dear. Let's talk about Vettel. What a shit show. I mean, was it a shit show or was it exactly the same as he was in Ferrari? (laughs) No, it was much worse. Really? I mean, he wasn't quick in qualifying. He got a penalty and got penalty points in qualifying for not slowing down for the yellow flags. And then, okay, he started okay in the race. But then he crashed into Ocon while he was being overtaken by Ocon in an Alpine, blamed Ocon, then got a 10-second penalty and more penalty points. So he got five points in one weekend. In fact, I think in less than 24 hours. Bear in mind, you get 12 points in a year and you get a race ban. It's not a good start to the season, whichever way you look at it. It's reassuring he still blames other people, though. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about this to my missus. It's like, she was like, I really think Vettel's a bit of a dick. And I was like, I, I think out of the car, he seems like a really nice guy. But put him in a car, absolute lunatic. I bet he's like that at home, though, as well, though. I bet if he breaks a glass, he calls his wife in and goes, did you break that glass? <laughs> <laughs> Probably blames his wife for uh, crashing into Ocon. Alpine! Alonso had steamy heartbreaks and Ocon got intimate with Vettel. I think Alonso won't be great this season, but he'll be all right. Is anyone else as optimistic as me? I thought he did pretty well, actually. Um, I think Alonso will be very, very Alonso. And when I say Alonso, I mean later Alonso, which means he'll be very good in a shit car. Yes, which he's in because none of the fast teams will have him because of yeah. his previous history of being a bellend. Ocon um, was no. faster in practice, and then lap by lap, Alonso got faster until he then out-qualified it. But it's just like, that's it. <laughs> Those three yeah. practice sessions were the only time all year that Ocon's going to be faster than Alonso. I think that is how it's going to go. I mean, Alonso, for better or worse, he's a really good driver. Um who's basically just shafted his own career through his silly actions. And it looks like that might be continuing because the Alpine doesn't look very good, does it? Um, so, although he was he was unlucky to get a sandwich bag in his brake duct. But. Was it a sandwich bag in his brake duct? Or do you think his titanium jaw started to heat up and they said, blame the fucking brakes? I don't care what you say. Say it's a sandwich bag for all I care. I didn't mean actually say it was a sandwich bag, you <laughs> bet it. I don't. I don't know why Kimo, Kimo will make sandwiches now. I wonder how long. I mean, somebody asked this in the preseason show, and apologies, I can't remember who it was. Somebody said how long before Alonso starts just bitching and moaning and doing all the GP2 brakes thing again. If it carries on like this, it won't be very long because the car is not very good. Well, I don't know because he's always said that it's about 2022, isn't it? So he might be he might behave himself this year. I think if next year's car is a dog then all bets are we'll see there's going to come a point where he's not as quick as he used to be I mean look at Raikkonen um, who is not that much older than him because Alonso's the second oldest driver on the grid isn't he he's what 39 probably um, Alonso and Raikkonen both started their first races 20 years ago Whoa. what the year Tsunoda was born yes am I right in thinking <laughs> I'd have to do some maths I think Raikkonen is more than twice as old as Tsunoda yeah I think that's right that sounds about right because he's older than me yeah. And Sonoda beat both of them. I did. God, that's yeah. gonna hurt, isn't it? Yeah. Alfa Romeo. They screamed midfield by finishing eleventh and twelfth. Do you think a helmet needs to be adapted to incorporate a man bun? I fucking hate Giovanazzi with his <laughs> fucking hair. <laughs> uh, hey, have you seen my hair? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's not as luscious as Giovanazzi's. It's not as luscious as Giovanazzi's yet. For okay. all Giovanazzi's bad points, I really like his hair. I think it looks is like a, a magnificent male. It's like a lion's mane. <laughs> oh. Okay, think no. about a lion's mane. Think about it. Yeah. Sort of like gazelle blood. <laughs> yeah, flies. Yeah, glorious. Um, no, it's like a greasy, slicked back, sloppy, <laughs> sweaty. Oh. I mean, after the race, yeah, maybe. But when he's doing his photo shoots, it's all... It's all it's proper L'Oreal. It looks really nice. Helmets with a man bun. Are you thinking just like... <laughs> <laughs> like head and shoulders. Oh, no. He's a Formula One driver. It's going to be slightly more... Um, uh, excuse me. Do you, remember, do you remember who was the face of head and shoulders for a while? Just no. Jensen fucking button. Oh, yeah, it was, no, wasn't it? was yes. he? Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't... Was that when... No, that was Santander when he was doing that. Oh, I'm a tiger kind of thing. Anyway. Um, no, it's Claudia Winkleman, isn't it? Yeah, like who's uh, actually a technical car. advisor for Williams as well. Um, helmets with man buns. I think he should let his hair go out and flow behind him like you're not supposed to do at the car track. I think they sh- he should have it just over his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk about their racing or... Oh, no. why? I mean, they were... I mean, they were nearly in the points, in fairness. They, they got on with it while other teams were being shit. They were just like, we know our place and we're going to do it quite well. They They did their solid out-of-the-points midfield thing pretty well. Although apparently Giovinazzi had a shit pit stop, but I didn't see it. Shit stop. Williams! George Russell finished in 14th in a Williams, which either means he's even better than we thought he was, or back of the grid is just appalling. If Latifi didn't have engine issues, where would he have finished? And this is just pure speculation. Just ahead of Mick Schumacher. Uh, Probably. Because he, yes, he would have won it. Um, no, I mean, bearing in mind, I think only 16, 16 people finished, I think. Um, so 14th out of 16th isn't amazing. But, you know, we know Russell is good. We've seen him in a McLaren, uh, not McLaren, a Mercedes. Um, and we know he's good. And we know Latifi isn't that good. And we know the Haas isn't very good. We know Mick Schumacher is pretty good and Nikita Mazepan is terrible. Um so, yeah, about where I expected him to be, to be honest. You know, Russell's going to get the most out of that crappy car, but not as bad as the uh, not as bad as the horses, which is a step forward for Williams. George Russell's career has always been, he starts at the back. At some point in the race, you go, oh, my God, he's ninth. And then you realise he hasn't had a pit stop, and then he's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, he always, he, uh, unless he bins it, which every now and again he does, he has a, a tremendously good start overtakes a load of people and then just sort of realises that his car's not very good and just slowly drifts back but still finishes ahead of anybody who's vaguely near him car-wise. So, yeah, you know, well done. Hopefully Williams are on the up because they've got a load of money and they've got new owners and, you know, they've got a car that looks like a bus seat. They're going places. <laughs> I'm on the up. That was the <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, the 90s. Hass. Ah, don't touch me there. <laughs> Marzipan fucked up. Goodbye. In an interview, Schumacher said that he was 95% happy with the race. Despite the fact that he span and came home in 16th, you are in the right team, mate. Do you know how he prepared for the race? Yes, he goes to visit his father, who they've set up <laughs> in a kind of weird shrine and uplit him. And had like booming voice going, "You must win this race, my son. I have called you Mick." 
That's a weird name. No, how did he actually prepare for the race? Do we know? He played a quiet game of chess. Oh, come on. Has he been watching the Queen's Gambit? Fuck off. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. I've either done something new, or I've probably done this before because I can't remember, but this week I have gone for Proverbs (laughs) as our driver standings. Finally. Patience (laughs) is a virtue. That's number one. It's Lewis Hamilton. All's fair in love and war, Max Verstappen. (laughs) Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's third place. Valtteri Bottas. Who is he? (laughs) What? Slow and steady wins the race, says Lando Norris, who came in fourth. So that's bullshit. A thing begun is half done, is Sergio Perez, whose car (laughs) fucked out at the start. (laughs) Clothes do not make the man, says Charlie Clerk, who... The interesting thing from the Netflix documentary is that he has his own clothing label, but he wasn't allowed to launch it because of some conflict of interest with a sponsor seventh place cross the stream where it is shallowest that's daniel ricardo something about shoeys eighth place one man's junk is another man's treasure that's carlos signs driving in a ferrari <laughs> in ninth place the classic saying when the going gets tough the tough get going <laughs> it's yuki sonoda my favorite driver and in tenth place a fool in his money has soon parted it's lance stroll and the teams um there's no theme i was writing this just as we started so in first place you take the low rake it's mercedes and i'll take the high rake is red bull uh third place we used to cheat but now we're better that's mclaren fourth place we never cheated it's ferrari fifth place the new pride of japan it's alpha tauri and sixth place not even james bomb would drive this shit it's aston martin <laughs> and now for the man of the match of driving Norris! Lewis Hamilton. Oh. Oh. This episode of For F1's Sake is supported by ClearVPN. ClearVPN is the first effortless VPN for a secure and personalised online experience. And especially for the Formula One season, ClearVPN has introduced the Watch F1 Season 2021 shortcut. So you can enjoy the championship with the best speed regardless of your location. It is available for free in the app only on the days of the Grand Prix races. To tune in, activate the shortcut in the app with just one click and enjoy the race. And for 25% off ClearVPN Premium, just head to Terry. You need to go to the website my.clearvpn.com forward slash code code code. I love that they let us use that code. And apparently that will work. There is a link in the show notes. Phil, are there any T's and C's? Ah, funny you asked. Offer valid until April 30th, 2021. Active F1 TV subscription is required. That's 25% off ClearVPN Premium. My.clearvpn.com forward slash code, code, code. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. I am sick of those snobby motor racing drivers just ignoring the hard work of some of those behind-the-scenes people at races. I don't mean marshals or stewards or the bloke that waves all the flags and turns the lights on. I mean the track limit line painters. For too long they've been ignored and their hard work literally driven over. 
I don't even understand this track limit debate. What's the point of having something called a track limit and then saying it's not actually a limit? It's like London Luton Airport. Luton isn't London. The outside of the white line isn't the bloody track. Once upon a time, we didn't need neat white lines to go around the edge of the track because the tracks used to butt up against gravel pits, rivers, alligator-infested marshland or a bloody big brick wall. But don't worry, I have a solution. Obviously a solution is that the white line is the track, but if that doesn't work, then why have track limits at all? The next race is at Imola. Let's have a new technical directive that all the drivers can leave the track and not be penalised. But if they do leave the track, they have to prove it, and they can only come back onto the track with a souvenir. Whether that be just a clump of grass, or a member of the Tifosi breaking COVID regulations who now has to hang on to signs his car for the rest of the race, this could throw up a whole cottage industry around known shortcuts in tracks where fans can get close to the cars and apply the souvenir. Imagine in Park Ferme, one of the podium cars might be a little beaten up but has 15 shiny key rings hanging off the barge boards, which suddenly makes sense of what those things are actually for. Yeah, do, let's do away with track limits entirely. You remember back in the day when they had, um, was it the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Hotel car park for one of the races? And they should have just not actually laid out a track. It's just like, right, just go around the car park any way you do want. Do you like? Yeah. Yeah, just cross this start-finish line 70 times and you're done. Brilliant. That is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about my daughter, who, from the sounds of it, is asleep. So that's good. And to Terry Saunders. You there, listen to this podcast. Have you got email? Have you checked it today? Have you got an email from us about a newsletter called the Formula One for fuck's sake newsletter? I've forgotten what the <laughs> podcast is called. Is that what it called? Have, I you, think got, have you got a newsletter from FF1S about the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix? No. Then do you know what you are? You're a fucking loser. Get to <laughs> ff1s.com forward slash news 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 and sign up for the newsletter that we put a lot of care into attention. No, a lot of care and attention into. I'm tired and drunk. We'll be back in three weeks to discuss the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio del Made in Italy e del Emilia Romagna 2021. Lovely jubbly. That got yeah, very dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 that's oh, right made in Italy go by me Charlie or oh, Dolmio in the meantime check out our face I can't do it anymore check out our See, Facebook page you slags accents are hard you've mocked me for years check out our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash for f one sake and follow us on Twitter at for f one sake Terry where can people buy our merch last week we sold one Gunther Steiner t-shirt to a Mr G Steiner (laughs) so this week we're hoping to sell the new Marzipan (laughs) Isabella t-shirt oh we'll put some more t-shirts up I mean I think we could literally do that and they'd go like hotcakes Right in and tell us if we we literally just did a t-shirt that just had text on it that said Marzipan Isabella would you buy it Okay, what we're going to do, by the next podcast, there's going to be five new t-shirts. Are there, though? Yes. All right, we'll believe it when we see it. Write that down, please, producer Matt. Thanks for listening. See you in three weeks. I've been Chigres. Goodbye. Goodbye. I love you all. Bye. Podcast Network. So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. 
On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.